Hello again and welcome to the Master's Voice. I'm Celestial and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. The Master's Voice is a visual and an audio prophetic channel that was started in 2019, May of 2019, at the Lord Jesus' instruction. It is a place where I have been listing and reading forth the prophetic words of the Lord that I have received from the period 2012 until now. It is November the 3rd, 2023. Today's prophecy is a simple title. The prophecy is entitled Run, and this prophecy I received it yesterday, November the 2nd, 2023. And this prophecy is looking at a theme that has been covered many times here on the Master's Voice Prophecy blog, which is the Lord talking about displacement of people's scattering in the United States of America, that the Lord says that he will stir up trials and tribulations against the people of this nation to the point where, as they have done to others, it will be done to them. So what has America done to others? That the Lord would say that the right and fitting judgment for America would be that whatever she has done to others will be done to her. One of the things that America has done is America has disturbed the peace of many nations. In a recent prophecy that I was doing concerning Barack Obama, the Lord mentioned in that prophecy that America has killed the presidents of many nations. And when you kill the president of a nation, what you do is you bring a lot of instability and you bring a lot of dirty politics into that nation because where there is a power vacuum, the available people who never expected to see the president drop dead all of a sudden begin to jockey for power so that they can be the next president. So America has been the cause of a lot of destabilization in many, many nations around the world. And in the prophecy that is talking about how America will be the secret hand behind the coming death of Rwanda's president, his name is President Paul Kagame, and that prophecy was brought, I think, at some point near the midpoint of 2022. Rwanda will lose a president because of America's interference in that region because America has bones to pick with that man. That man is not known to be compliant to American politics. He does not follow the Western agenda, the Western blueprint. He always has something to say. He is one who keeps a firm hand on his own country, and he does not play ball, to quote the words of previous secretaries of state, such as Madame Madeleine Albright and Condoleezza Rice. And so the Lord says that America gets involved in the politics of countries like that. And the way that she solves problems with those leaders is that she organizes coup or she coups, excuse me, or she organizes assassinations to get rid of such leaders. So America has been involved in bringing a short, sharp end to the leaders of many countries. America has used strong arm tactics. tactics. America has started wars. America has used intimidation tactics, threats, um, sanctions and embargoes and all those things destabilize nations. And God says that as it has been done from here, the seat of international power for so many years, it will be done in return. So there is no banner scripture for this message. It is just a statement that the father made to me yesterday. As you have done to others, it will be done to you. Displacement of persons, scattering of peoples is upon you, America. This is the word of the Lord. So this dream was pretty simple and straightforward and 
I can't say that it was not a dream that put stress on my heart because of recent, the kinds of dreams that the Lord is giving me is just really short, short dreams, but they're kind of just showing a pattern. And the pattern is that part of the punishment for the things that I just described is that people of America, you, you won't get to stay in your homes. And this is not a kind of judgment whereby you can say, well, Celestial, what will happen to the righteous? What will happen to the righteous? I've always said that when you hear that the judgment upon a nation is a national judgment, it is the example of the pig's die. So people want to force a response whereby there's a whole separate category and a whole separate universe that is called the righteous and then the unrighteous, right? So if God says the judgment is, is war, then for some reason, people want to hear that, oh no, there'll be two separate universes. There'll be a universe with bombs falling, a universe where um, national services are cut off, a universe where there's no trash collection and no easy access to food and water and there's fear and, and soldiers. But there will be a separate universe where the righteous are in that separate universe and they won't even know that anything is going on. And, and there's no such reality like that. And all you have to do is look in the Old Testament and see how many times nations were judged. And the judgment is a whole judgment. It falls upon the whole nation. So what you're praying for in situations like that is you're not looking for um, an absolute separation between the two groups, righteous and unrighteous, because the person who's going to decide that actually is the Lord. It, that decision will not be taken by us. Who's righteous and who's not righteous and what the righteous should get, quote marks, and what the unrighteous should get. God will ultimately be the one who decides that. But what, what happens in situations like this is when you hear the Lord emphatically saying, as he has been saying since 2020, 2020 is the first time, at least to my memory, that prophecies of war, civil war, and government unrest were introduced. Before that, the prophecies I was covering on the Master's Voice Prophecy blog were just prophecies of uh, government unreach, government overreach, and Russia and China prophecies. Those are the first ones I started with. But then war was introduced. And then after that, captivity was introduced. And then those themes have kept coming. And it's been three years now. And so, the understanding should be that when the Lord is saying that war is settled, it is that you then put your mind on what war is. What is a war? What happens when there is war? Or what happens when there are attacks? Or what happens when there is instability within a nation? And the reason that that's so hard for people to do is because in America, people are used to watching instability on TV. It's either you'll be watching a miniseries or a movie that talks about how America went to the Middle East and destabilized the Middle East, and then you'll be looking at scenes of those people in the sand dunes crying or what happened over there. And there is a distancing, there is a disconnect that is created when war, real war with real casualties, real people who lost their lives, when that is all crunched up and when it's diminished to your favorite show, then what happens is you watch, you watch this stuff with a disconnect and you don't really have an understanding of what it feels like when you can't sleep in your own bed and you can't access your own stuff that you bought with the expectation that it's your stuff that you paid for and you're going to use it. Your pool you paid for, your car, your Jeep you paid for, your brand new screen doors and windows that you just put in, 
you know, to deal with whatever weather that's coming. When you're separated from these things, suddenly it's a shock. And the, the point is, as you will hear in this prophecy that the Lord was speaking about, the point is that people do not prepare. They do not prepare because there's no filter for understanding these things as anything other than, unfortunately, entertainment. It's either entertainment through TV or it's entertainment that you have been watching on streaming services. And so it seems not real. So this dream, I, I was just caught up in this dragnet of people who ended up running away from some kind of problem. The Lord never really revealed to me what the source of the problem was. So I didn't know if it, if it was an external threat. I do not know exactly what had happened. All I know is that I dreamt that I was with a ton of people in a very large gym. And when I say gym, I'm not talking school gym size. I am talking about something that is massive, not as large as Madison Square Garden, but it definitely was one of those massive sport, sports arenas with bleachers that go all the way up to the top and that still offer a very good view. So it was one of those very large places that are reserved here in the United States for major sporting events. That's the kind of gym, quote fingers, that I was in. And this place was mostly low lit. So the majority of the lights were not on in this place. And later on, I came to understand why. The lights were not on, so I wasn't even able to gauge how big the place was. But I could see in the stands that there were a lot of people sitting in the bleachers, mothers, fathers, single people, um, kids, and they were basically trying to get to sleep. The only place that had lights and the only place that was mostly busy was way down courtside. So I was having a view as if I was in the stands and then at the same time the dream was offering me a view from courtside which is where I actually was up into the stands. So I could see downward and I could see upward in this dream. Only courtside was lit up and that area was very busy compared to what was going on in the stands. In the stands, people were mostly resting. They were quiet. They weren't really talking. The majority of people were asleep or they were uncomfortable in those bleachers where you're not exactly supposed to be sleeping. We sit in the bleachers and we rest in the bleachers to watch the event. But that, that was bed for the majority of people. So people were sleeping, they had sweaters, you know, they folded their sweater and they put the sweater over their face or they had these eye masks on and they were sleeping, you know, the kind that women use for beauty or the kind you put on your eyes when you're flying. Or they had baseball caps pulled low and they were sleeping. And the gym kept filling up. So obviously people were being brought in, either people were being bussed in because large groups kept coming in, which is more in tune with people coming in in buses, people coming in in trucks, but, it could have been also that people were driving to that place, which was an emergency crisis center, and they were voluntarily checking themselves in. So I was watching down there and I was seeing people getting processed on court. There were ushers, people with badges, um, not exactly official. So it wasn't like government official. It's more like when you appoint people in a community to do a certain job, just like you have a homeowners association and you know they're a little bit above the rest of the homeowners because they're seeing how things run. That's how it was. These ushers were leading people and directing them, go to those staffing tables and get, get signed in. And so that was the first thing. As soon as you came in, there were people that were directing you to staffing tables that were scattered all across the court, the, the bottom court down there. And you know, people would get into lines 
but the lines were very efficient. The lines were moving pretty fast. And so people were not being inconvenienced with a long check-in time. And then after that, they were moving people to another station and they were giving food. So people were getting food. And then you would see people down there pointing up as if to say, telling them, after you get your food, please don't linger down here. Please move out of the way because others will be coming in. They were directing people and telling them, go upstairs and find a seat. Single person, a woman with children, a whole family with a dad present or whatever. Go upstairs and try to find seats together and sit together. So people were coming up with their food. They would eat their food quietly and then they would try to fall asleep. And everybody was talking in low voices. The place was low lit. It was definitely too keep talking low, keep activity low. And also I could feel to keep stress low. So even when new arrivals were coming in and they were speaking in, you know, normal tone voices, getting off the bus and stuff like that. As soon as they walked into that place, the atmosphere was so heavy. The atmosphere in that dream was so hush. The atmosphere in that dream was so glum. I do not know what had happened. Then when people walked into that atmosphere, nobody was making any announcements like, please keep your voice down. Please don't talk that much. They walked in and automatically they would lower their voices and just calm their whole demeanor. And they just, the tone of the place, the atmosphere of the place just came upon them. And nobody was doing much to cause any disruption. Now in this dream, I had a lot on my mind. I was burdened in the dream. I was burdened when I woke up. And that's what happens. I was aware that I'm in this strange place at night. It couldn't have been very late, maybe 8.15, 9.15. It wasn't the middle of the night or anything like that. But 9.15, you're supposed to be getting ready in your own house to rest up in your own bed, familiar elements. But I was in a strange place with so many unknown elements at night, a place that I don't know, crammed into one spot with maybe hundreds or thousands of people and nobody's able to give me or anyone else any real explanation of what comes next. So no official plan, no official announcement. The job, the assignment is simply, you guys are coming in, we need to get names, we don't want to get kids separated from families or we don't want families to be split up. If you're the Johnsons, if you're the Smiths, please each person write the name or the father writes everyone's name and put down the relevant details so we can know, so we can have an accurate log of who came through here and then move on. We can offer you some food and then we can offer you a chair and we'll see what daylight brings. So that's why most people had switched off. Nobody wants to be thinking too deeply in situations like this. Nobody wants to put their mind on what's going on with the house, what's going on. Maybe we had to leave the animals behind because I didn't see any animals in that place. So people are thinking, is the house gonna get robbed? Can we trust the alarm system? Other people are like, oh wow, my whole life, I never had an alarm system and now my house is just there. Too many unknowns and I knew that I wasn't the only person thinking like that, feeling like that. So that's why they had us in the dark just to try and keep things at a low level. And I was downstairs, then I saw myself and I was downstairs right there as they were processing people. And I don't know if I had been processed or not. I just had my go bag, my ready bag. And I was, I was just sort of to myself, you know, just keeping my hand in my jacket pockets and just feeling really isolated and just thinking the same thought over and over again. And the thought I was thinking is, why God? Why? Why Lord? Why do I have to be here? Why am I not at home? I didn't even know. Is it New York City? 
in the dream? Am I in New York? Am I somewhere else? I just knew that I was in some emergency relief center that they had turned a gym into and there were plenty people there and even more arriving and soon we're going to be all so many in that place and nobody was being allowed to go home. I didn't see soldiers. I didn't see dogs. I didn't see a perimeter, but I just knew once we're in here and we're logged, we're not going to be allowed to go home. And I just couldn't rest. I didn't want to go look for any chair. I didn't want to eat no food. I just wanted to be allowed to go home. And when I woke up from this dream, I was down in my heart because I've been having these dreams. I've been having these dreams of, um, one dream is sudden explosions, sudden explosions that just happened and you have to run for cover. You have to run for cover. In another dream, this one I definitely remember because it was recent. It was from October the 21st, 2023. In this one, the government had expanded its power so much and I was not in New York. Um, I guess the Lord just gave me this dream from the perspective of people maybe who live in Kentucky, Omaha, places like that where they have their homes and then it's a bit of a drive to your neighbor's home but you're not really isolated maybe you're a couple of miles from the nearest neighbor or there's four or five of you in an area and you all know each other and you drive past on this road past each other's houses but it's definitely not a suburb like you know you would have in city areas so it was in those areas and we had become accustomed to running off to the fields and the woods when the government came I do not know what the government was coming for, but if you have been here long enough, you definitely know that the government will be coming for many things. They will be coming for harassment. They will be coming to check who's maybe storing food above the available food quota. They might be coming just to ask questions. They might be coming to take a census or a log of who's living in the house. They might be coming to demand that somebody is an enemy of the state, maybe You've been accused of saying something or your social media has the kind of videos that are suddenly seditious videos, treasonous videos, evil videos. And so they were in the habit, the government of just showing up at the house and the people in that area, myself and family included, were also in the habit of just sprinting off to the fields, sprinting off to the woods. And you could go to these fields, you could go to these woods, and depending on what kind of search and seizure, what kind of raid procedure the government was doing, sometimes we would stay out there all night. You'd be out in those fields watching twilight come and watching, you know, the little stars coming out at night and the moon coming out at night, and it still would not be safe to go back to the house. And so these are the kinds of dreams. And when I would wake up, my soul is burdened and heavy. And I'm thinking, Lord, these are things that are not easy to bear. And you know, the Lord will just comfort me and just tell me, you know, don't worry about that. So I'm, I'm not gonna be lack any transparency here. A lot of these dreams that I'm having, I have made it very clear from the beginning that the Lord is just using me as a vessel. The Lord is using me as a vessel to show the kinds of things that are coming, but he gives me a word of promise. And concerning this dream where I'm telling you, I am telling you my soul was fed up. I was with my backpack and they were saying, you know, uh, the food is there. And I was like, well, that food is for you and your family members. I'm not interested staffing people in that food. I was grieved and I was thinking, Lord, why am I here? Why am I here? And the Lord just told me, this is not for you. Don't let this concern you. I am just showing you what will be. And so I come here and I'll be telling people these things, the truth. 
I am telling you the truth. It's not my job to come here and stop you and telling you if you want to watch MAGA videos, don't watch them. If you are plugged into the election and you're following step-by-step -step impeachment processes, don't do it. You can do whatever you want, but there is a remnant that God is trying to speak to, and that remnant falls into many different categories. There is a remnant out there who the promise of God to you is exactly like mine exactly like mine. And you don't need me to tell you, because even if you listen to these videos, you have something, a witness in your soul that the Lord tells you, celestial is speaking the general truth, the broad truth, but under that broad umbrella, there are definitely levels. People who are unfaithful to God, you should not think for a second that because you name yourself the tag Christian, that this thing that I'm saying that the Lord is telling me, don't you worry your head about this, Celestial. You are merely observing a reality that will be, but it is not for you. That is the comfort that God is giving me due to personal things that I know. I'm not walking around with two minds, six minds, and 12 opinions when it comes to God. I'm walking around with a single mind that if he has said it, as much as it is up to me in this mortal body to link onto what is in the word of God and follow it, to be loyal, not to be a child that is out there saying, but you know, what about this? And I just don't feel that it was God's heart to do this and do that. I, I do not participate in such things. The word of God is the word of God. I was born way after it. I met it here. I have absolutely no interest in challenging it, changing it, or trying to make it fit my culture, my time, myself. I understand at a core level that it is me who is supposed to change for this word. It is I who is supposed to give all room to this word. If there's any impediment in me, my job is to pray it out, to ask the power of the Holy Spirit to root it out so that the word can take root and grow in me. And when you do that, when you make that your posture, when you make that your pursuit, when your Bible is more important to you than a paycheck, what happens is that when fireballs are coming from the sky and you wake up sweating from those kinds of dreams, you'll be told, write it down, but it is not for you. There are people, I'm going to tell you this now because this is not a separate prophecy that needs to be written on the blog, but the Lord has said to me that very soon we will come into the time where all the reluctant Christians are going to learn obedience by the things they suffer. Now, this is a phrase that was used of sinless Jesus Christ, that Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. This is just the Bible telling you that a man who was sinless upon the earth, that offended God in no way, was subjected to some serious horrors in order for him to attain to the fullness to which he was called. Jesus was called Messiah from the womb. This is what angel Gabriel told his mother. His mother was not told a great prophet is coming, like what the Muslims call Jesus. They call him a great prophet. The angel told Mary succinctly, that the son of God was going to come and dwell inside her first physically and that she was bringing forth Messiah. There was a ton of folklore and a ton of recorded prophecy about Jesus before he was born. People like Isaiah made sure of that.
Moses spoke of this man long before he came. And so when Mary was told who was coming to rest inside her, there was already written legacy for Jesus. There was no need for him to be humbled into obedience with slaps and a crown of thorns and his blood flowing from his hands and his feet and his torn up back. Yet the Bible says that he was humbled. He learned obedience. And the Lord has said that the same will happen to the reluctant Christians. Reluctant Christians are Christians who think that twerking and righteousness go together. A reluctant Christian is a Christian who thinks that the word of God is an optional buffet. So they like to read God is love and Jesus forgives, but they don't want to learn be holy as I am holy and all the rest of it. They have trouble marrying righteousness, holiness, sanctification, and that very important facet that most people are missing or failing at or only doing intermittently. Obedience to the word of God. Obedience means you come to a place where the word of God says this, and then you say, funny story, I agree. And then you fall in line with that thing and you begin to carry out that thing in your life. That is obedience right there. Anytime you come up to the word of God and you say, well, you know, this is a bit restrictive and this is not inclusive and this does not carry out the norms of diversity that we want to carry out now in 2023. There's a problem. You become a reluctant Christian. The promises of God, you can attain to them as a reluctant Christian, but you will attain to them through your own personal flogging. God will humble many people. God has said that he will allow many people to go through crushing circumstances. Crushing circumstances are personal tests and trials that will humble you. You will be put to shame. You might lose that business. You might lose that fancy job title. You might lose that marriage. You might lose many, many more things. You will come out a pulped up olive at the end of some experiences that will come to people who are still holding out on God. And as I'm speaking to you, my words will not just knock at your heart. They're going to go right in like laser beams and hot arrows on fire. You will know that I'm talking to you. You will know where you hold out on God. You hold out on God and purity. You want to be a Christian, but you also want to have sex. And then you want to say that God knows your heart. Your heart is infinitely wicked. It is deceiving you. It is telling you that you can elevate fleshly desires above what the word of God says. There are so many different viewpoints about what sanctification is and how much, how much holiness is holy enough to get into heaven. The answer is simple, absolute holiness. We are told to deny ourselves, to deny fleshly desires, but many people do not want to put in the effort that goes with that. And so people are holding out on God. They're holding out on God even when they're in church and how they serve the Lord has been speaking about all these things, about speaking with people and, for instance, tithing. I have the word of God. It is just a matter of having to put it up. There's so many viewpoints about, well, what is a tithe? And people are saying, no, it was a cow and a sheep. And God will just say to me, Celestial, do they work with cows and sheep? Those of you on Twitter and wherever else, you're talking about, oh, no, it's not required. It's cows and sheep. You just ask the simple question. Is your life summed up 
in cows and sheep. Now, because the old people, they made their living, they traded in animals. So there were sacrifices for cows and sheep, sacrifices of wool, sacrifices of them bringing their barley offering and their wave offerings. And even to the poor, they were told to not appear before the Lord empty. So even the poor had to work it out somehow and come with those two little turtle doves, which were probably the cheapest little birds you can afford. But in this generation, all the teachers and teachers are out there creating new doctrines to follow. So what are we to do with the reluctant Christians? I know for my part, what I will do is read every word out of my notes, out of my archives, and simply leave them on the table for people to do with them what they want to do with them. And bear in mind, I have absolutely no views on the endings, the final conclusions that viewers come to. I will simply deliver the word of the Lord. Just a moment, please. And then everyone, everyone, myself first, will do with them what they will do. So there are people to whom there is a guaranteed promise. That promise sounds something like Revelation 3.10. And God would have already been speaking to you about that. And then there are people who you're just a little way off. It's just a little bit of tweaking. It's just a little bit of, I need to brush up. It's just uh, the fact that you just need to confess that you've been slacking. You are already in the house. You're already dressed in the garment. But because the pastors out there have deceived you, you now started eating your peanut butter sandwiches and getting some slop on your clothing. But because they keep telling you reckless love is the greatest love of all, then you just feel God won't mind. God won't mind, but he will. And so for you, it is not a far distance off to strengthen those, strengthen the weak knees, to strengthen your backbone, to perfect your, your posture before the Lord. But there is a hard-headed contingent out there. And the Lord says that you will be basically dragged through, dragged through these bushes and nettles and thorns of personal trials, bitter personal trials that will humble you. You will start singing to God out of the pain of what you go through. You will learn worship at the feet of humiliation shame, loss, trial, great pain. Your back will be opened up like the savior because apparently his back being opened up for you was not enough to get you into line. The Bible says, do not be like the horse. Don't be like the mule because they must be brought to order. They must be brought to obedience with the bit and the bridle. That means that. You cannot have a horse or a mule that will follow you, that will obey you, and that will get the work done until you put that harness, until you put that bridle on them, their head, their shoulders. And I think it's the belly. I'm not really sure, sure how that thing works on a horse, you know, but it's restraints. You will be put under so many limitations. You will be put under so many restraints. You will not be able to twitch or move. The job will go. The house will go. The apartment will go. The position will go. The fiance will go. 
You will go through a Job experience, a Jonah experience. Come out of it smelling like fish guts. But the beauty of it is you will be obedient. You will no longer be a reluctant Christian. You will be a full-blooded, locked and loaded, Jesus is Lord Christian. They ask you about gay rights and you'll be like, to me, gay means happy. I do not know any other description for the word gay. You will have a 180 shift by force. And it's a pity that you must be compelled. But God's got time. He's got all eternity because his end is to save your soul. And he will save it with your agreement or without it. Because that's what good parents do. Parents don't ask children to co-sign discipline. That's the new habit now. Honey, do you understand what you did wrong? And the child is smashing up your home because apparently you think that a puppy and a baby are raised the same. God doesn't sign on to American parenting. This is Israelite Parenting 101. He will bring the reluctant Christians to heal in order to save their souls. So, when I woke up from this dream... The Lord was talking to me about complacency and he gave good examples of what complacency is. And he said that America is going to be judged for her complacency. So if you've been listening, you might be thinking, Lord, in all honesty, how many things is America going to be judged for? And the answer is endless, endless things, endless sins that America is going to be judged for as many directions as you want to look up, down, north, east, southwest, you name it. Judgment will be coming forth from that direction because America has a lot to answer for. And so he was telling me that complacency will be the reason that America is judged. Complacency is where you, where you feel secure in the status quo as it is. So exactly the way things are, especially when you're on top. It's very hard for somebody who's at the bottom, struggling, trying to make it, trying to survive. It's very hard for that person to be complacent because the environment, circumstances, and what that person is going through, lack of resources, lack of help, lack of skills, perhaps. Somebody won't give you a shot like people who come out of prison. It's very hard for those men and women to rebuild their lives because once people find out you have a prison record, they're like, ooh, no, 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 you might murder someone at my job or you might steal again. And so it's very hard for men and women who come out of the prison system to have a second choice, a second chance. And that's why there's specific organizations set up to try and help those people rebuild lives and get on their feet. But complacency is a disease that stems from the roots of pride and complacency is usually a disease that affects those who are on top, those who are doing well, those who the status quo favors them to begin with. And so the Lord says, complacency is where you feel secure in the status quo as it is, meaning that you're already top dog, you're already on top, you already have a reputation, okay? You have a rep and everybody knows what it is. And he says, because of that, you are not inclined to do anything more to create improvement. So complacency, in short, is a disease of empire. And I've spoken of this before because the Lord always brings it up. And he talks about places like Pompeii. He talks about places like when Rome fell. And if you remember in the very early videos, 
the civilization that people argue, was it there? Was it not there? God confirms that it was there. The civilization of Atlantis, people who reached the height of civil development. And the reason they reached the height of civil development in Atlantis is because they were consorting with the fallen angels. They were con consorting with aliens and creatures that gave them so much development in healthcare, so much development in buildings, so much development in everything that these people became a highly advanced society. And they were even intermingling, interbreeding and intermarrying with these people on the surface of the earth. And this situation infuriated God so much that Atlantis sank to the bottom of the ocean. It sank out of sight. It was either covered by a tidal wave or the shelf that it was sitting on just broke, gave way, and it went into the sea. And it has remained so-called mythological location. It has never been found to this day. But when you reach that height, you feel that there's no room for improvement. You're doing so great. What could you possibly improve on? You're perfect. It's being self-satisfied. It's being okay with things to such an extent, in fact, that even if someone were to say, do you think that any improvement is needed? Do you think that you could perhaps do anything different? The answer is going to be, no, I don't think so. Things are great as they are. So this is what God was giving me very early conversation, morning, early morning conversation when I woke up and I was so fed up of this dream of sudden surprise, shock and awe, having to run. And in some cases, not even know what I'm running from, just running and ending up with a bunch of strangers, ending up in the system, so to speak. And he was just telling me, no, no, I'm just showing you what will come. And then he started telling me that this is how America will end up in that situation. It's because she's complacent. Uh, just give me a moment to do something about the light, please. So I continue. Complacency is a form of delusional self-assessment. It's basically like that test where they say, you go for an interview and then they say, well, what are, your, what are your strong suits? And then you say, oh, I'm good at this and I'm good at that and I'm good at that. And then they say, well, what do you think are, are your weaknesses? And then you look at the interviewer and say, I don't have any. That is a delusional self-assessment. If you're certain that things are okay, then you will never have any reason or motivation to do an actual self-check and be sure that reality lines up with what you believe. Complacency is also dangerous. You feel secure in the status quo, and that means that even if you hear something, please listen, because this is all the old prophecies like enemy at the gate, like the heart attack. These are the names of prophecies. Enemy at the gate, the heart attack, wrath is upon the land, undone. If you feel insecure, if you feel secure in the status quo, it means that even if you hear something that disagrees with or disproves your view of reality, you will never do any research to see if the new facts are true or not. And if they are true, how could that affect you? To be complacent is to have no real feelings or response in response to anything that is different from what you believe. No set of new facts will interest you because you don't think anything can ever affect what you believe. So this is basically you thinking that you are at the center of the universe, 
that the whole world revolves around you, and that if there ever are changes in the material facts of life, they will adjust themselves, the facts will adjust themselves to suit you. So you never actually need to check if your gates are secure. You never actually need to check if you have Russians in the government. And that means that if anybody should prophesy, whoever that person may be, and say that Jesus Christ says that there are Russians in your government, that the Russians go all the way down from the mailmen all the way to the highest office in the land, which is the White House, that they're not just spying through the computers, which at least you might know that they do spy, perhaps, and that they do hack, but God would say that they're in the country and that they're embedded in the national fabric and that they've been here for so long on a sleeper agent plan that they are more American than Americans. They have the same blue eyes or brown hair. They've intermarried perfectly. They are seamlessly matched into society. They even form part of the celebrities and the stars that people love and that they are seeded from the lowest level, which is kiddies playing in the playground all the way up to the White House. Now, if you are wise and if you are one given to thought, then when you hear this information, you might think this needs to be investigated. This needs to be checked. But if you are complacent, then you will say things like, that can never happen. And if you hear, for instance, that China has weapons that you've never heard of and that they're going to show up with sudden weapons and with Russia and a whole coalition of na nations unleash war on both coasts at the same time. If you are wise, you might think, well, at least we can see now in 2023 how these twin horns are rising very quickly to prominence and this might need investigation. But if you are complacent, then no matter what videos you look at on the internet, in the comment section, you'll see Americans saying things like, that can never happen. They don't have a military that we should care about. We'll knock them out of the sky. Have you seen the Air Force? Have you seen the Navy? Have you seen the Marines? Have you seen the Coast Guard? Have you seen the reserves and the army? That is what complacent people do. They never ever think that the status quo can be shifted or changed or can be shifted or changed materially enough to be a big risk to them. And so God says that anywhere you find facts, anywhere a complacent person comes across facts that does not support their beliefs, anywhere that danger is lurking in the corners that the complacent person doesn't care about enough to check, anywhere that the status quo is changing in real time, such as suddenly having the director of the FBI and that other Blinken man saying that we should prepare for the possibility of terror attacks on U.S. soil, which, by the way, will primarily be done by the U.S. itself against citizens. And there are three prophecies to that nature. nature. They're called, just a moment, please. In quick succession, that is what they are called. It's a three-part prophecy all the way from 2020 called In Quick Succession. And those three prophecies all the way back then, God was saying that America is going to be subject to scare tactics. America is going to be subject to false flags. 
America is going to be subject to a rash of bombings and accidents across the country. And he said that all those things will be done internally within our borders and that even if other people are blamed, we should know that it is all part of a larger plan to, to do what? To get the U.S. military out on the street in full force because that is how the new world round letter, final letter, NW, you know what, is going to come into play. It's going to come into play in America on the back of a strong military that we already know we have, but a visible military, which we have not really seen before. And the Lord says, America, your punishment is to see your own government, your own arm of power, your own soldiers, weapons, tanks, military awe and control on the street, martial law, tanks rolling by, as I saw in the vision, with fathers, mothers, and children standing by, shocked to see, I don't know the technical names of tanks, so let's just call them tanks. Tanks rolling by in the open streets as if this was Stalingrad and Leningrad on military parade day. So here we are now, the old prophecy, two more good years, given in October 2022, and we are at the end of just one good year, America, Iran, Syria, Israel, everybody else threatening each other, everybody else moving the chess pieces, and it is only one year that has passed since that prophecy came, where the Lord said that, America, you will be staring down the barrel of war. And so, when facts exist that don't, ex that don't support what you believe, and even if there's danger and you won't investigate it, when you can see the status quo changing and the FBI director and whoever else is telling you that they have reasonable suspicion of terror attacks on U.S. soil, but the nation is not changing in real time to meet those facts or the nation still feels, please excuse me, the nation still feels generally that we're okay, we're okay, our guys are okay. God says you have entered a state of complacency. You're saying that you choose to remain stagnant because you think that you are greater and more powerful than reality. You're saying that you don't have a need to change because you can never really be put at risk. Being complacent is saying that you are above the need for change. Even if you find out that there's a risk, you are still confident that you can handle it and that any risk you may find, any risk at all from the bear and the dragon, for instance, is still a low risk that will not affect you. This is a quote. Complacency has killed greater nations than this one, and it will kill this one too. And then I just wrote here in parentheses, Atlantis, which I already described just a few minutes ago, that this is the example that the Lord has been bringing forth over and over and over again, that Atlantis became so powerful, so advanced, so superior to any other civilization around at the time that they truly thought that they were outside the reach of any harm. Because if you have fallen angels zipping around in open society as they used to be in those days, 
Maybe there's superior flying technology. Maybe there's superior water technology, things that people wouldn't actually be able to replicate again for thousands of years. They overlooked one thing. They were at risk from God. And so America will be judged for its complacency, for its expectation of always being on top, for thinking it cannot be attacked. America will be attacked for thinking itself safe in the midst of a destructive world climate angled sharply towards survival of the fittest. So God is saying here for America thinking that it's untouchable and it can't really be affected even if it can see the world climate, the political climate, the international arena is changing and it's beginning to take a sharp turn towards survival of the fittest. Who, who, who's going to be our ally? Who nations are seeking who to align with, who to line up with, who to back, who to vote for and vote against. So God says that we're entering a time of survival of the fittest where you need to be fit or at least the fittest. But God says that America is not staying fit, but assuming that its past fitness is still enough to maintain victory. So this is exactly, for instance, like an Olympic sprinter who has won two Olympics and has stayed at the top of his or her game. And then there starts to be chatter in the wind of a hot new sprinter, maybe in the hundred meters or maybe in the whatever else that they have. A hot new sprinter coming up. And you begin to hear chatter and you begin to hear rumors. But every time you look at those Olympic medals on the wall, and every time you look at all the trophies from all the different games that you go to during those four years before you have an Olympic, if you have a victory cabinet that is big enough, like America has a victory cabinet that is huge, then you will assume that the rumors about that hot new track star are exactly that rumors. You won't bother to get any tapes of that other sprinter to see how fast they go. You won't actually tap into the chatter and say, well, who's coaching this guy? Who's training this girl? Is she running on flat terrain or is she running all over the hills and the mountains like the Kenyans do? And that's why they're usually unbeatable at the Olympics. You won't bother to find out the fighting style of the supposed rival. You won't bother to do any digging. And that's because you're complacent inside. And the victory cabinet is reinforcing your complacency by telling you, we didn't get all that because we're not fit. But when the landscape is changing, God says, and you don't stay fit. And you assume that past fitness, the victory cabinet is enough to still get present victory. The Lord says for that, America will be surprised, ambushed, overrun, and captured all in a single day, according to the prophecy of Mystery Babylon. So here are the master's voice. It has been said one billion and two times that the United States is Mystery Babylon, that there is no more mystery anymore. The Lord has firmly pointed his finger at all the nations of the earth and landed it on the United States of America and revealed who is the nation that is being spoken about in Revelation 17 and 18. And here is the verse that I was given in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously in the same measure, meaning to the exact amount that she did a give her 
that same amount. And here's what was given to mystery Babylon. In the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. And this verse is saying that exactly what mystery Babylon did in the earth, causing death, mourning, and famine, causing women to miscarry their babies from the stress of sudden invasion and from the stress of sudden bombing and from the stress of occupation and from the stress of soldiers going over to places where they don't speak the language and they are on edge by watching people look at them with hatred, like, why are you here? And you get nervous in those situations and you become cruel because you're actually scared and because you know that there's less of you and more of them. And so to the same measure that death and mourning and famine were caused to others, Mystery Babylon will see the same. And she will be utterly burned with fire for strong is the Lord God who judges her. And this is Revelation 18 verses seven to eight. And God says that America will also be judged for corruption. He said that the USA is a highly corrupt nation and it's defiled in its operations to the point that all its people have been defiled by the same spirit. The nation is evil because the people do evil that is visible in the whole society. And so some of the corruption, uh, if, if you may or you may not know that there's a really huge uh, situation going on in the real estate, in the real estate market right now, and they've busted a whole ring of realtors. These are the people who sell houses. So people want to sell their houses and, and the owner can sell his or her house by themselves. But a lot of people choose to go with these realtors because the realtors have connections and the realtors have um, situations set up. It's their job to be able to get you the right buyer and to facilitate the sale. And then the realtors can ask for a commission. But it's now been exposed that there's a, a whole bunch of realtors. I did not go into the case, but it was just interesting to me because this case broke and was trending yesterday at the same time that God gave me this prophecy very early in the morning, 6 a.m., 7 a.m. And then I wake up and one of the first things that's trending here is this bunch of realtors busted for collusion behind the scenes, collusion trying to get higher fees out of a person wanting to sell their house. If the person feels, no, this company is asking too much money, I'll go to the next company. The two realtor companies are working in the back to match their prices. Basically, these realtors are establishing a monopoly in the background away from clients. And so no matter where you go, the homeowners were not getting a fair deal. And so they've been fined or they've been found guilty of doing this to the tune of 1.8 billion. Now, please understand, these are not major corporations like Amazon and Walmart and things like that. It's just ordinary men and women who take their kids to soccer practice. Normal men and women who smile and say, hi, I'm Marcy, and I'm here to help you sell your home. Hey, I'm Kenneth, and I'll get you the best price on the market. Trust me. So they have these ads. This is just ordinary people operating like an upmarket mafia. This is an example of corruption. 
Corruption is when you see an apple in the supermarket and it looks great and you think, oh, Granny Smith, I'm taking you home. And you take that thing home and you wash off whatever that poison they have on it. And then you bite in and it's spongy and you pull your teeth back thinking, what is this? And it's gray all through. And it has a very interesting heart of worms at the core. That is corruption. And the Lord says that the corruption in the USA is now visible in the society. So I took the time to find out and to define corruption so that it can be understood. Listen to these definitions, please, and tell me which one does not apply. Corruption is, number one, dishonest and fraudulent conduct, especially from those in power. Corruption, when it deals with those in power, involves things like nepotism. This is favoring one person over another, and this is usually your family member. So God is saying that America, the power structure, might put your son-in-law in a very powerful position, even though he has no training for it. Or corruption might put your son in a very powerful position, even though he has no training for it. Corruption might be a woman in high position and she and her husband going around charging exorbitant speaking fees simply because their last name is Clinton. That is what corruption is. It involves bribery and other practices that limit people from rising to positions based on merit because you have interferences of other illegal things, such as lobbies that pay senators and bribe them and send them cigars and take them to expensive, all paid, all expensive paid weekends and take their families to Disney World and take them on private yachts and get them prostitutes and then film them and then send them the pictures when they're in chambers to threaten them that they should vote a certain way. That's corruption, dishonest, fraudulent conduct, especially from those in power. The second, the second definition is corruption is the process of changing words or expressions from their original meanings to new meanings that are typically wrong or debased. So this is saying that we don't have two sexes, but we have, I think in New York, we have 31 recognized genders. So it's no longer man and woman. It can also be non-binary. It can be binary. It can be cis. It can be trans. It can be rainbow. It can be cockatoo. It can be two-spirit. It can be a ton of other fun things that should all be given equality with the two fun things that Jesus made, man and woman. Male and female made he them. But America says, let's get some brand new changed words and some changed expressions in here and simplify things. That's what a lot of the argument is. Let's make it simple. Let's create new categories so that everybody can pick their category. And let's take the two categories off the birth certificate so that people have more room to really decide if they're a broomstick or a cat when they grow up and they have... Um, full disclosure of what they want to be. So it's when you take words and expressions from their original meanings and you turn them to something that's typically wrong and also debased. The word debased means immoral, 
The word debased also means of a lesser value and quality. So debased is when you take something from its original posture here, and then you forcefully lower it by distorting it or twisting it. So this is why in the United States, it is becoming widely accepted or where it's not accepted at all, it's being forced down our throats by legal processes like getting sued. So people are being forced to at least keep their opinion quiet because of a lawsuit threat that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and people can just tweak and adjust things. And we now live in a world where gay no longer means happy and of an upbeat nature. It also means liking your own kind if you're a man or a woman. That is corruption. The third definition is the process of putrefaction. That was the shortest definition online. The process of putrefaction. And that simply means the process of rotting, the process of decay, when you become rotten. And that, that's what happens in a country that might, for instance, say that grown-ups who like children are just misunderstood and confused in their sexuality. And they're not pedophiles, as we've always called them, but they're now minor attracted persons, meaning literally that they're persons attracted to babies in a sexual manner. That's the process of rot, wanting to sleep with your dog and keep your high paying university job like that one professor who was busted a few months ago. That's the process of rot. Behold, there is a layer upon them that can only come off at the cross. Only repentance will remove the weight of guilt that is upon mystery Babylon and genuine repentance by a contrite heart is what will be accepted by Yah. So this is the Lord's own words saying that it is only at the cross that this thing called a patina, a patina is a, it's a buildup that comes on something over time by reason of constant application, by reason of constant use. So you keep going back to the porn, keep going back to the porn until you experience shattering in yourself and you can no longer be satisfied by a human man or a human woman. And that's because the demons have launched like missiles into your heart. And now you only want the grotesque. Normal love is unsatisfactory. So your, your spouse can't be enough for you now. It needs to be 10 people like you saw in the movie or it needs to involve all types of twisted expression that offends God. And he says that it's not by anybody's struggle or anybody's confession or anybody's mouth that will take off this layer, this sheen, this gross covering of corruption. It is only repentance at the foot of the cross, he says, that can shift the weight of guilt that is upon mystery Babylon. And to personalize it, it has to be genuine repentance by a truly contrite heart, meaning that you're forgetting all about this, but what about this, but God loves America. And you are now going into the prayer closet to say, Lord, between me and you, this thing is dogging me. This thing is haunting me. This monkey has not only wrapped its arms, but its legs around me and it's biting my jugular. I'm drained because of this sin. 
and I need to be set free. You can look at 2 Corinthians 7, 8 to 11, and 1 John 1, verses 5 to 10, and Psalm 51 to really begin to understand what genuine repentance is. The next thing the Lord said to me is there will be fighting in the state senates. So all the states have their legislature set up, but God says in the Senate, which is usually the higher houses, the senators will be fighting in chambers. And then they'll be coming out of those conferences, those closed sessions, completely unable to work together. They will not be able to see eye to eye on anything. The next thing he also added is that new laws will start to be passed at the federal level. So this is at the top, top White House level. It says new laws will start to be passed at the federal level that will eventually take away the rights of individual states to govern themselves. The national temperature is already smoldering, but soon it will burst into flame. So these are three things that have been covered. I think um, one prophecy that covers it very well is called the many words of God, either part one or part two, said that they will come such divisions in leadership that red and blue and anyone else will be incapable of working together. Said America will begin to tear herself apart because even at her lawmaker level, even at the executive and at the judiciary, those three arms will be incapable of working together. They'll be working at cross purposes. So people will be actively stabbing one another in the back, actively destroying each other's careers, denouncing each other publicly. This was years ago that these things were said and that this nation will stall. America will stall. How many times has the government been closing itself? How many times have we been in the threat of a government shutdown? Who? The other nations are listening. We're all here on this video. Who ever heard of a government shutting down like a busted up old jalopy, an old car? Who ever heard of a government shutting down? If a government shuts down, how is the nation supposed to run? How, does thing, how do things get done? Only here. The government will threaten the people and say that we're going to shut down and then we won't have a budget unless, I mean, it's basically holding the nation to ransom. And they're getting so used to it that it's almost becoming a go-to in order to get bills passed. They won't be able to work together. They won't be able to see eye to eye. God is talking about the states now. And not only that, he says that will be compounded by the fact that the federal government will start to leech power out of the states. So a state will say, we don't care about Roe versus Wade. We don't care what is happening where. We are legislating that we want no abortions in this state. We're trying to pivot to God. We don't want to pivot to the Supreme Court. We want to pivot to Jesus Christ. And then the federal government will legislate something at the top, basically abrogating the power of the state to say, we want to do this. And we're constitutionally allowed to do this because Roe versus Wade is not in the Constitution. It's just a finding. It's a legal precedent that everybody was happy to walk along with for decades. And many babies paid the price for the free love and the self-pleasuring that resulted in that much blood that God says it will never be forgiven. So new laws will happen at the federal level. And I've spoken about how America will be in the future. I have spoken of the North Korea type government prefectures with assistant prefects and deputy prefects and so much bureaucracy, so much red tape that it will be very hard to get anything done. 
in the country. I've spoken of the monitoring, how the prefects will disseminate into all the states and they will say, we passed a federal law and said that we, even though it's winter, we no longer want the heating costs. So your thermostat cannot be above 65 and 65 is still chilly. 65 is still cold. 65 is air conditioner temperature, but they will say no. In, in keeping in line with the brand new green laws and the green energy laws and the laws of the windmill and everything else to save energy and to get off coal, 65 or 68 is the max. And then they're going to look at usage numbers. And I said in an old video that perhaps Hawaii is going to have high energy costs or Florida, it could be New York City, because it definitely does snow a lot here. If a state then goes above the national average, I said that that state will be heavily penalized in the new system, heavily fined, heavy fines. Another thing that I spoke of is how America is going to be cut up and become a nation of borders, a nation of borders. So there's a big border around the country. You fly out of the border, you cross the U.S. border, and then you go to Mexico, you cross the border, you go to Europe, you cross and you go to Canada. But within the continent, we don't have borders, but there are going to be borders. There's going to be separations, even between the regions. You're going to have to cross a border and show papers to go from New York City to New Jersey. So that kind of thing is coming. All that kind of thing is going to bring excessive pressure on people. People are already on under a lot of pressure. People are already having outbursts. People are already, people are already harming themselves. I think New York City recently experienced three suicides in one 24-hour period, and it was written in that news article that that is a record. Three people jumped in front of the train in one day. They couldn't take it anymore. And remember that the Lord said, the prophecy is called the year of the test. 2023, the year of the test. He said that starting in 2023 and going forward, the kinds of trials, tribulations, and testing you might remember that I spoke of some of this earlier in the video for reluctant and disobedient believers. You are included in that. He said that the testing will be so hard that many people will not continue anymore. That is just God's poetic way of saying that people will exit themselves from this life. They will not be able to handle the pressures. They will not be able to handle the stress. They will not be able to handle the mental attacks. They will not be able to handle Satan and the things that Satan will do, the hurt he will cause them, the way he will rob them of many physical things, including family members. That pain compounded without submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. The father said that many people will not be able to go through that and they will not continue, meaning that they will take themselves off this earth into, unfortunately, judgment. The next part is crisis centers will exist in America. So this is one of these prophecies that have many parts. But if you remember, the main point of this video was the dream that I had out of my home in a crisis center with hundreds or maybe thousands of people, not even knowing where I was, just processed and there's the food and go pick an uncomfortable chair in the bleachers and fall asleep. God is saying that crisis centers will indeed exist in America. Homes will be requisitioned as hospitals and clinics. Bedrooms will be turned into triage and surgeries will be performed right on the kitchen floor. So this sentence right there is telling you that this is wartime. 
because it sounds exactly like Great Britain during the times that they would have their overhead raids, their air bombings and things like that. Bedrooms turned into triage. This is where they're preparing people. They've been hurt. They're bleeding. They've been shredded maybe by a bomb, by rocket fire, by shooting, something like that. Surgeries performed right on the kitchen floor. This is somebody just putting on their lighter and you just put the little knife in it to sterilize it and you do what you can. Homes, a house is not set up to be a hospital or a clinic. But what's going to happen is because of things that will be happening here, people are going to make do the best that they can. Here's what the Lord said. The times will demand quick thinking and resourcefulness. This is people who don't crack under pressure. This is people who don't start crying and say, oh, my anxiety could never. This is people who are going to respond to the threat, respond to the times, respond to the pressure, respond to the stress. Some of you are going to surprise yourselves. After all this weakness and I need these pills and I'm really stressed out, some people are just going to snap out of it like that and just show up in a way that they themselves right now didn't know that they were capable of. And some people who look capable are just going to melt. The times will demand quick thinking and resourcefulness and people will turn everything they have into what's needed to survive. So you have that mansion, you might find that your mansion will turn into the Greater Bethel International Iowa Clinic and people will just be rushing people there and you'll say that bedroom is free, uh, the kitchen is being swabbed down now, put her on the tiles and get some gauze and just try and stop that bleeding. We're going to see things like that. Things that have been happening in other countries for a very long time, they're going to be happening here. God says people will turn everything they have into what's needed to survive. The desperation and determination of the average person to survive can never be underestimated. People will do anything to save their own lives and that includes using whatever is available as a tool or a resource to do it. Anything can become anything if it comes to saving your life. And many people are going to find that out in the day that these things happen. Resilience will be tested to breaking point very soon. Very soon, nobody will be willing to answer back for the plagues that I will send upon them. The land of Babylon will be silent in judgment before me. I release a plague of suffering over the United States of America. I am the Lord. I bring havoc and a whirlwind to disturb you, to disturb your peace, to disturb your complacency and what you think of as your right to exist. The nations exist at my pleasure. I alone decide who rises and falls. If a nation pleases me, I, the Lord, will build it up and establish it as I have done to you, Babylon. But if a nation is defiant and resistant, breaking my laws and giving itself over to destructive beliefs and practices as you have done, then I will uproot it and give it over to destruction. I remove my shield and my bulwark from over you, America. I strip your glory and I push you down from your monumental high place into free fall. And so there is a vision that I shared a long time ago and it's coming back to me now and I'm going to repeat it. What I saw is I saw a coach in a gym. So I saw a coach in, it's either a gymnasium or it's that part of the high school where 
all the trophies are displayed in a case and um, all the pennants, you know, all the pennants that you've won in competition, gymnastics and football and all of it, all of them are plastered on the wall, you know, class of 1990 this, and then the trophies there. I saw a very angry coach and the coach was destroying the wall of victory for this particular high school that he had coached. So he had been at this high school for a very long time. He's the coach, beloved coach, the main guy. He was the one behind all the victories. He was the one who encouraged the kids when they were feeling that the odds were against them. He was the source of the pep talks. He was the source of the encouragement. He was the guy who wrote all the winning plays and they scored touchdown after touchdown and they took victory after victory and he made them great. Coach did it, not them. They were able to do it because coach was always there. Coach was always in the ring with them. Coach was 100% committed to their greatness. God did not show me what these children had done to make this man so angry, but he went into the trophy room and he was smashing the glass and he was throwing all the trophies on the ground. He was ripping all the pennants off the wall and there was so much anger in this man's heart. And as I was seeing that vision, God was saying, America, who made you great? Who gave you power and influence? Who lifted you up above the nations? Who gave you strength? Who made the nations like chaff in front of you? It was I, but you are ungrateful and you are now standing up defiant against me and claiming that you made yourself great. You think that you are self-made. And so I will tear you down. And here he is saying it again years later, I strip your glory and I will push you down from your monumental high place. A monumental high place is the middle is the middle podium at the Olympics. The monumental high place is to stand on top of a pedestal and everybody else looks at you and goes, they're the best. God says that he will push the nation down into free fall. Free fall is when you're falling and you have absolutely no idea how far away the bottom is. And here is the scripture. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Said the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up, to pull down and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. Jeremiah 18, 5 to 10. And so this chapter here, the beginning bits of it, Jeremiah went to the potter's house because God sent him there. God wanted Jeremiah to see something, obviously. And he told Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. So Jeremiah goes down to the house where the potter works. And as he arrives, the Bible says that he sees the potter working on some clay. So the potter is working on some clay and the potter is shaping the clay into a particular vessel. The scripture says, as it pleases him. Maybe he's making a plate. Maybe he's making a vase. Maybe he's making a big water jug to put it in the house to hold water. Whatever it is, the Bible says that the potter was shaping the clay 
as it pleases him. The potter was making what he wanted of his clay. But then it says, the vessel became marred in the potter's hand. So the potter is spinning and shaping carefully. And then the clay becomes uncooperative. The clay doesn't want to shape. The clay doesn't want to, the clay doesn't want to follow the spinning and the molding. The clay has other plans. And so it became marred. To become marred means that you become misshapen and ugly. That word is used of Jesus when it says that he was marred more than any man. And we know that as Jesus died that death on the cross, he was a very broken man. His bones were not broken, but his humanity had been harshly abused. And the Lord laid down his life as the lamb dying for humanity's sin. He was disfigured. That's what marred means, to look nothing like how you looked in the beginning. So the, the clay not only is uncooperative, but it says that the vessel becomes marred in the potter's hand. And so it says that the potter didn't throw the clay away. He begins to reshape it into something else. And this is what God is saying. America, I was shaping you into something. I spoke concerning you and I was saying that I was going to bless you and I was going to plant you, but you have done evil in my sight and you have not obeyed my voice. And so I am going to do something else with you. I will relent concerning the good that I said that I would benefit you. And I've said many times here that God had said that if America had been good and if America had been obedient, America's kingdom would continue forever. But because America would not, he also will not. And that is how the sentence always ends. Because you would not, I, the Lord, also will not. And you can fill in anything you want at the end of that sentence. I will not bless you. I will not continue your nation into posterity. So that means that as time goes on until we get to the end, there will be an India, but there will not be an America. I will not keep you safe from your enemies. I will not protect you or keep your borders secure. You can add anything you want out of the word of God itself first, and then from these prophecies that are coming directly from the word of God also. So that is the message that is simply called run, run, that people will be removed from their homes, uncomfortable circumstances, that the government is going to devolve into states fighting themselves. And then when they can't come to any agreement, federal government is just going to swoop in like a vulture and start making laws that are very hard to be borne by the individual states. Crisis centers will crop up in America Homes will be turned into triage. Surgery is going to be taking place right on the kitchen floor as people desperately do whatever they can, whatever is at their fingertips, they will turn it into a tool or a resource and do the best that they can to survive and to preserve life. A plague of suffering is coming to America. And God says a whirlwind is coming to disturb the people, disturb the peace, disturb complacency of which the U.S. is guilty. I am celestial and this is the master's voice. I continue bringing the prophetic words of the Lord. I have covered more than 435 or at least, just a moment please, 
435 or 440 of the prophecies, but the prophecies that I have received in total have long passed 500. So I'm working to make these videos. The full videos can be found on Rumble, BitChute, Brighteon, and on all the audio channels like Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. But here on YouTube, certain prophecies can no longer be covered. They were here for about a year and a half. And then because of so-called community guidelines and things like that, COVID prophecies, they had to be taken down. And you can also follow on TikTok. You can follow on Instagram and Telegram. I think that's, and Facebook. So you can find all these things just below in the description box. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And please understand that the best investment of time that you can make is to listen to these prophetic words and go to the blog www.the-masters-voice.com. Reading these prophecies will cause a change in your heart. This is guaranteed. It doesn't matter what the footing you're standing on. You're, you're skeptic. You absolutely don't believe or whatever else you are being poisoned by whatever poison pen letters are out there concerning this blog, concerning myself in the greater space out there. I could care less if you will give this prophetic blog one day and go to the blog and click any message and start reading. It is highly unlikely that the Holy Spirit is not going to connect with you and bring you to the understanding of the truth that nobody is making these things up. Nobody is getting these things from TV. All these prophecies have a date and the date predates what is happening on TV now. So for instance, crisis centers are not on TV now. Running and fleeing and hiding in the hills from government soldiers who are coming to the house to harass us and maybe carry us off and arrest us for no reason. That is not happening now. The United Nations, for instance, creating some kind of weaponized outer skeleton. Men are going to fight the wars of the future in some kind of outer skeleton that is much bigger than them. And I described this thing. Where, where do you see that now? The police are just out there in cloth uniforms. Move along, move along. The time is coming. The military is going to be outfitted in an external skin that is made of iron and very big and chesty like a transformer. But the metal that makes this external skin is going to be so light that these men will be inside this thing, moving it around without much problems. The police force of the future are going to contain hybrids. These things are not here yet. So the old ones are coming now, but some of the old ones are for a future time. So there's a timeline. There's a very long timeline. And the more you read, the more you will understand. And the Holy Spirit will give you understanding and help you to put it in order. So I highly recommend you can listen on audio. I think the audios are better than the videos. But the best is taking time to read those prophetic words. Pray about what you read and take all things to the Lord. And I guarantee that he will speak to you and put you in a mindset that must transcend fear. You cannot continue to be afraid all the time. It creates paralysis and it makes you feel helpless and we are not helpless. We have to go before the Lord for our families, for ourselves, humble ourselves, pray and prepare. So God bless you and until I see you again, goodbye.